after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he called had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, They returned to their country by another route. So initially, uh, I had this, I was going to make up this little story about how I found an old manuscript and blah, blah, blah. But my kids told me, you shouldn't lie to people. Uh, Fine. Uh, So what I'm, the sermon is a little unusual today in that I'm just going to tell a, a made-up story from the perspective of some, a character I'm calling Azad, who is a apprentice, apprentice of a, uh, a magus, or a, one of the magi. All right. So it's a, a, it's sort of as a, a journal. The first heading in his journal is, says, The Appearance. Sleeping is futile tonight. Instead, I will record recent events. Well into the first watch of the night, the sound of pounding woke me. I opened the door to discover Rahzin, insisting on seeing my master, Magus Kasper. I have often witnessed Rahzin sleeping and walking about the courtyard, talking to people who are not there and doing things he does not remember in the morning. So I clapped my hands in front of his face. Stop it. I am awake. In fact, I awoke on the roof. Someone needs to lash you to your bed, said Casper, rubbing his eyes. No, no, master, not tonight. A dream. Tonight, an angel led me from my bed to the roof. And when I awoke, there it was. Come, come, please. He led us outside. There, he cried out, pointing. There it was, brightest of the night sky. Gather the others, instructed Magus Kaspar. 
After all stared up in silence for some time, Magus Shabazz finally spoke up. This is a sign. Indeed, said Magus Melchior, eldest of the Magi. But it is too late to discern now. Let us meet again in the morning. We returned to our sleeping quarters, but of course I did not sleep. I now see that dawn is breaking. I will write again soon. The appearance plus one day. My eyes are heavy with sleep, but I will recount the morning's discussion. While most magi consulted one another, as well as various scrolls and charts, Magus Shabazz, on the other hand, inhaled a strange incense and began chanting an incantation. His voice grew increasingly loud. He shouted in a language I did not know, then suddenly stopped, tossed some chicken bones into the incense bowl. After examining them briefly, he turned to the rest of us. The star that rules the heavens at its birth announces one born to rule the earth. Thus say the bones. I concur, boomed Magus Dillawar. We leave for Rome in three days. Rome? asked Magus Shabazz. The bones said nothing about Rome. The bones may not say Rome, but the rest of the world does. An argument ensued. At one point, Magus Shabazz started to shake. His eyes rolled back in his head. It is the gods, shouted his apprentice, Hoshang. They are speaking to him. Eventually, Shabazz regained his senses. The child king is born in, he said before catching his breath. Palmyra, he is the offspring of Alot, the sun god. There is no king but Caesar, shouted Deloar back at him. No future king that isn't his bloodline. More arguing. Then elderly Magus Melchior stood up and raised his hand. The room went silent. Brothers of the guild, you may have heard of the Hebrew people. Many generations ago, they were among the tribes and peoples who lived in exile here. Our own historians record how different they were, how insistent they were to return home. Their prophets declared their God would bring them home, restore the throne to the house of their beloved David, and expand their rule over the earth. He picked up a large scroll. I have come to love this one, Isaiah. Listen, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory appear over you. With all due respect, Melchior, interrupted Dilawar, the language is vivid and poetic, but his words were fulfilled many years ago. The Jews have long since departed for home. Yes, but it is the promise of a king that intrigues me. We go to Jerusalem then, my master, Magus Kaspar, declared. Of course you side with your former teacher, Magus Shabazz scoffed. A king of Jews is no concern of the heavenly realm. In the end, it was decided that the guild would send three envoys, one to Rome, one to Palmyra, and one to Jerusalem. Initially, the envoy to Jerusalem was to consist of only two magi, 
Melchior, and Kaspar. But as we were breaking for lunch, Belteshazzar approached. I have read this Isaiah and his talk of the coming righteous ruler. These words stood out for me. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and they shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Ah, yes, the land of Sheba, re responded Melchior with a smile. Will you join us then? I believe I will, he said before turning and walking away. I don't understand, said Kaspar. Sheba, said Melchior. That's how the Hebrews refer to his homeland, Cush, and Cush is Sudan. Anyway, the next several entries are about packing, mapping their route, and their first few weeks of travel. Initially, all three envoys travel together, and some rivalry forms between the groups, particularly among the apprentices. Azad and Razin have a particular dislike for Hoshang, the apprentice of Shabazz. Day 29 after the appearance. We parted ways with Dilawar's envoy today, so they might take a trade route north toward Asia Minor and from there head to Rome. I regret that Shabazz's envoy remains with our own. I weary of Hoshang. If he isn't talking about Shabazz's powers, he's trumpeting his own curses, blessings, incantations, spells. At least there was one conversation that was rewarding. Listen, Azad, asserted Hoshang. I know a curse that were I to utter it against you, your offspring would possess the looks and intelligence of a goat. Is that not the curse uttered against your mother? My mother? No, of course not. Why would you say such a thing? Razin threw his head back with laughter and nearly fell off his camel. He knew why I would say such a thing, because Hoshang is a goat. Day 41 after the appearance. I write only this. Every day is an oven. We are not on a quest. We are being cooked. Day 54 after the appearance. Hoshang is determined to convince me that Jerusalem is a fool's errand. You seek the fulfillment of a long-fulfilled prophecy. It makes no sense. You're one to talk about sense. Your master reads chicken bones, said Razin. Truthfully, Hoshang's arguments make me uneasy. After supper, I found Kasper smoking his pipe, staring at the stars. I asked him about the matter. He removed the pipe from his mouth and pointed. Do you see those mountains over there? Their peaks formed a jagged black silhouette beneath the darkening sky. Yes, I said. How many mountains are there? I don't know, I said. I see many peaks. They could belong to one or many mountains. And how much distance lies between one mountain and the next? It's impossible to know. Right. Not from this distance, said Kaspar, taking a puff on his pipe. It's only as we travel through them do we realize how many mountains there are and the distance between them. A prophetic vision can be like that. What the prophet sees appears to be a single thing, one event. Only as time passes do you realize its fulfillment comes in stages. Not one event, but multiple, 
not occurring all at once, but over many years. So returning to the land, that was one mountain. The king is the next. Yes. Maybe I shall try this approach with, to, to try to shut up Hoshang. Or maybe I'll just try a stick. Day 98 after the appearance. I have not written in some time. I don't care to. One day is like another. Misery. I regret the star's appearance. In fact, I resent the whole sky. At night, I avoid looking up. I don't want to see the stars staring back at me, laughing at me. Day 103 after the appearance. We reached the trade route that leads to Pal toward Palmyra today and parted company without a word of sorrow or celebration. I don't feel anything but heat in the day and cold at night, hunger and fatigue all the time. Day 123 after the appearance. We are getting closer. Each village we pass through or caravan we encounter, I attempt to ask someone whether there's news of one born king of the Jews. No one's heard anything. One laughed and said, no, King Herod's wives don't bear sons anymore. They just bury the ones already born. We are getting closer. But closer to what? Discovering that Hoshang was right? Day 140 after the appearance. We were told Jerusalem was a shining city on a hill. It is true. Our road rounded a rocky outcropping to expose it, glistening like an earthbound star in the midday sun. Before making the last leg of the journey, we adorned ourselves and our animals in the vestments of our guild. We will first visit the temple. From what I have heard, it is a most impressive achievement, said Melchior. It was indeed. But as massive as it was, we managed to still attract attention. In fact, after we'd provided our offering and exited the temple grounds, we were greeted by soldiers. They identified themselves as palace guards. Apparently, news of our arrival and our quest had already reached the king of the Jews. He wished to see us. King Herod greeted the Magi warmly, inviting them into the great hall while Razim, myself, and the rest of our party remained in the outer court. They were gone for some time. Razim, in fact, dozed off and was startled when I awoke him upon their return. I had a dream, he whispered to me. Not now, I said as I greeted Magus Kaspar. We leave for Bethlehem, my master said, his birthplace, according to the Hebrew prophets. It was as we traveled the road to this village that Razim shared his dream. I hear a scream behind me. I turn to see an infant's cradle. Leaping from it is a fox. His snout was covered in blood. Before running off, it turns to me and smiles. Overhearing Razim's account, Magus Melchior said, Your dream confirms my own suspicions, Razim. This Herod, he is a fox. The sun is now nearly set as I write these words. The others are eating dinner. I cannot eat. 
I am disturbed by the dream. Not only that, I am discouraged that a quest has led us here, this village. Are we just to wander about, knocking on doors, asking if one of these peasants happened to have given birth to royalty? The second appearance. I cannot sleep. I can only hope the fire burns long enough for me to write down all that has happened since sundown, when the sky darkened and the star, yes, the star, reappeared. It directed us to a small home. The parents were, of course, surprised by our visit. Surprised, but not bewildered. I mean, of course, they did not expect an envoy of 20 well-dressed foreigners to pay homage to their infant son. On the other hand, they welcomed us as though it made sense that we were here. Their heavy accents made communication difficult, but not awkward. We laughed much, as though with old friends. I would have liked to have stayed for days, but... After the child woke up hungry for his mother, Melchior said, we must go and let these people raise their son. Now, by the light of this dying fire, I imagine sharing my story with Hoshang. Yes, I will tell him we found the king. No, no palace. No, not in Jerusalem. No account village among peasants he will surely find it laughable. Indeed, I find myself laughing, but not because it is all so unbelievable, but because somehow I believe. I am laughing with tears falling upon my page as I write. I look up and see all those stars, and again, they are laughing laughing with me, laughing for joy. The king has come. The king has come.